This podcast is produced by Discipleship.org, championing Jesus' way of disciple-making. For a 10% discount on the National Disciple-Making Forum this October in Nashville, Tennessee, register at Discipleship.org and use the promotional code PODCAST. Producing this episode, I'm Chad Harrington. Craig Etheridge was helping with a campus ministry group in the Dallas-Fort Worth area when he noticed how another campus minister was investing into students. That man was David Gwen at Baylor University, a nearby school. Craig saw how he lived his life and made disciples, and it made a huge impact on him to make disciples, not just converts, through campus ministry. That was just the beginning of Craig's journey of disciple-making. Here's Craig on that experience, which helped lay the foundation for what became Disciple First Ministries. Well, I tell you, I was really um, privileged to have men that uh, stepped into my life and uh, challenged me to walk with God. I had a godly father that modeled uh, how to walk with Jesus and continues to model that for me. Um, When I was in seminary, um, I had um, some men that came into my life, a guy named David Gwynn who really maybe first initially began to talk about disciple-making. He was leading uh, some college students in a a disciple-making movement in Waco at the time. And uh, David was a former Olympic wrestler, just a big guy, big beard, you know. And uh, But, man, really, I watched him discipling people, and I watched him invest in people, and that really began to get the gears turning about that in my own life. So I started with just a handful of college kids uh, while I was still in seminary. I'm David Gwynn. I um, I head Action Ministries, which is a uh, international discipleship ministry at Athlete. When exactly did you meet Craig Etheridge? Craig was leading a group in Fort Worth, and boy, let me tell you, he, um, he did an excellent job. He was almost like a Pied Piper. Uh, he, uh, he brought those guys together, and uh, he would take the leadership, and he would challenge... Uh, those students in, at UTA, and uh, they were a big part of his church. He and his wife and several other people had some great leaders, and we'd have rallies um, monthly, and he was one of those people that helped students change their lives, uh, give them direction, give them challenge, uh, show them what life could really be and what a life walking with Christ, what a difference is going to be, and then they uh, they followed. I mean, they just picked it up, and you know, he had some great guys and girls come out of that group. David, I'm curious. He said that watching how you discipled people really got his wheels turning. What was he talking about when he said that? Because I'm so good. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No. Um, You know, you you become part of them, but I think different than just, you know, there's a big difference between communication and teaching. If you, you get a teacher and they make simple things difficult, you know, you get a communicator and he makes the difficult things seem simple. And so discipleship is communicating how to follow Christ, and it's, it's showing, it's, it's a process, it's, it's that process that we're going to be in the rest of our lives. It's not something you learn today and say, oh, I got that, you know. You may learn a part of it, but you're not going to be able to apply everything all the time immediately. It's going to be a process of becoming like Christ, and we don't see that fulfilled until we join Him in heaven. But as you walk it, and you talk it, and you live it, uh, there's a big difference, and uh, I think when Craig and I were together, we would just talk simply, you know, we just, we lived it. And it was it was fantastic. And students, when they see a difference in your lifestyle, they want that kind of a difference. I've noticed that a lot of the discipleship 
programs I see, and I, I, I call it program because when I see what's going on, it's more of a teaching material. And that's just not discipleship. I mean, discipleship is life change. And so anyway, what, what I think what Craig was saying was he could see it, you know, a lifestyle. We could live it. And, uh, and that's what he's doing. I mean, he's, man, God got a hold of him and, and hasn't changed him. You're listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. We bring you stories of disciple makers who are making disciples that make disciples of Jesus. Today's episode is Craig Etheridge's journey. He's the founder and president of Disciple First Ministries. You just heard from David Gwynn and what disciple making looked like in campus ministry. But over time, it was many different people who invested into Craig in that way. Jerry Fine was one of those people. Craig met Jerry when he and his family moved to Oklahoma. Craig was the pastor at Jerry's church, but Jerry took Craig under his wing and taught Craig how to disciple businessmen, something unique that has impacted Craig even until today. In my first pastor, a church that I pastored, um, there there were several disciple-making leaders in that church. I mean, it was like it was stocked full of them. Uh, a guy named Jerry Fine, who has had a significant impact on my life, that has written material called One-on-One with God that is now on almost 20 languages all around the world, and he's just a passionate disciple-maker. A man named Herman Reese, who was a macrofacial surgeon, that was just committed to winning and discipling businessmen in the city uh, has continued to be a, a powerful influence. A guy named John Repass, who is a, in the real estate business, that's a just uh, solid disciple maker. A guy named Gene War used to disciple him, and it, people kind of know this that area of disciple making. Gene War is just a giant in disciple making world in, in that part of the country. And so these guys just started investing in me. I was their pastor, but I would go up to them and say, how do you do that? What does that look like? And they began to just show me what it meant to walk with God. So, you know, I always say that I didn't learn disciple-making from a pastor, and I didn't learn it from a seminary student. I learned it really from three businessmen that taught me how to walk with God every day and how to, you know, missionally look at the people around me and 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 lead people to Christ, and how to follow them up, and how to train them to reproduce. And so I, I take great joy in discipling businessmen now because I feel like I'm paying that forward. You know, I learned this from a businessman, and I, and I get to pass that on to other businessmen as well. So that's really kind of how that started with me, my disciple-making journey. My name is Jerry Fine. I'm a retired government contractor. We were in business for 30 years. Retired in uh, 1990. My wife, Marilyn, and I primarily invest our time in making disciples. We make disciples in the USA and around the world. Jerry, what were you doing back when you met Craig Etheridge? Were you making disciples then? Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, we're, we were teaching marriaging adults in Sunday school, which my wife and I have um, done for, uh, we did that for 35 to 40 years. And that was after teaching a class of college and career young people for about 10 to 12 years. And I was fulfilling my teaching responsibilities and all the other responsibilities I had at my church, at Northwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And we were making disciples. Craig said that you had a significant impact on him. What was he referring to in particular? He was probably referring to uh, the fact my discipling him when, well, Craig was our pastor, we became great friends and 
he asked me if I was discipling God, taking them through one-on-one with God. I'd already had the privilege of discipling two previous pastors, and, and so I was happy to do it. One-on-one with God is a tool Marilyn and I had written for the purpose of making disciples, and that's what he wanted me to take you through. So how did you disciple him? I, you said that you took him through this tool, but what did that look like, practically speaking? It's full of Scripture, and he caught the vision Jesus was casting Matthew 28:18 through 20 of making disciples and make disciples, and he's living that out. Started then, and he's living it out now. We read and discussed and meditated on hundreds of biblical truths our principles from God's Word. Jerry, I love how you're you're wanting people to be excited and filled with joy in the Lord, um, not just well-educated. I'm really curious um, how meditation is a part of your disciple-making efforts. In my research, and even just in my own life, I have found that as a constant theme among those who are enjoying their relationship with God and becoming mature is a learned way of meditating on the Word so I'm really curious, Jerry, how do you teach meditation on God's Word? My wife and I, when we, when we were first married, and we've been married uh, in August, be 58 years, when we were early in our marriage, we, we went to conference after conference, and if we could get one thing out of it, we could apply it to our life. We thought it was a tremendous success. We, wanted, we needed help. I was very, I was, I grew up in a generation where we were challenged to do things but not shown how to do it. And we've let New Age and Eastern religions rob us of one of the greatest truths in Scripture, and that is meditation. They teach to empty your mind. But you empty your mind and Satan will fill it. And so we went back to study meditation and what it really means in Scripture. And we found that it meant three things that we can speak of using three P's in meditation. That is to ponder to think seriously and deeply about what is God saying to me personally through this verse or this passage. The second is because we we believe that the Bible was written for us, you know, not just the people that were living during the age when it was written. And so we teach that to ponder, to think seriously, what is God saying to me personally through this verse or this passage? Then the second piece is the picture, to imagine, get a picture in your mind of the scene, the situation. We talk about three different ways to get a picture in your mind. One is, if you were an artist, you've got a canvas here in front of you. Who's in the picture that you're reading in this passage? What are they doing? Who's talking? What are they saying? And put yourself in the picture. Who do you identify with in the picture? Then, a second way is, a lot of times I just imagine that Jesus or the Father is sitting across the narrow table from me, looking me in the eye, calling me by name, and saying, Gary, I want you to apply this truth in your life today. I had a couple come to me years ago and say, Jerry, uh, we can't do either one of those things. But they said, we can always think of a modern-day situation where we could apply the truth. I said, great, do that. You know, if you think about it, though, you can't do that without getting a picture in your mind. You know, you're going to think of the scene, the situation, where you were, you know, when that happened, etc. So get the picture in your mind and see it in detail. You know, so many times we're very uh, general in our praying, and when we picture like this, it helps us to be able to pray in detail and be specific. So then the, the next P is pray. In other words, pray this picture back to God, whatever God has said to you personally through this. 
pray back to God as a prayer of devotion from your heart to God. That's how, what we learn from just studying the Scripture, trying to determine what it really means to meditate. And what was your goal when you were discipling Craig? I mean, I think it's kind of interesting that he was your pastor, and he asked you to disciple him. So uh, what was your goal with discipling your own pastor? <laughs> to help them become a true disciple who makes disciples who make disciples, and uh, to enjoy the benefit of having an intimate and personal walk with God and part, a big part of that is the theme of one-on-one with God, and that's Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified, where Paul says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. I think we've got to distinguish between disciples and true disciples. And, you know, when you see people like Craig and uh, others who are making disciples who make disciples in the trying to influence and help others do the same, uh, you're seeing a true disciple. I'm curious, how do you disciple guys in business when you're a pastor at a church? I find that men are hungry for this. I'll never forget sitting down with a businessman that I had trained, and he brought another friend, and we were having a, a meeting at a restaurant. And uh, he brought his friend to come and see what this whole disciple-making thing was like. I took out a napkin and just kind of drew on it just the steps that Jesus used to take a guy and show him how to walk with him and invest in his life where he could he could create a movement. And I just drew this kind of rudimentary a drawing on this napkin. I'll never forget looking at this businessman. This guy's made tons of money, very successful. And he just rocked back in his seat. And he said, I've been looking for this my whole life. And, and I really believe that, that that's the... The ache in most men and women is that, hey, yeah, I, I know how to grow my business. I, I know how to be successful in other areas of my life, but I feel very inept spiritually, and nobody is showing me how to do it. And so uh, I find that when I go up to a guy or a businessman, I say, hey, I'd like to show you how you could leverage your life in a way that would make maximum impact for eternity. I already have their attention. And then uh, I just say, would you would you want to walk with me? And I can show you how to walk with God and create a movement. And they're like, yeah, let, let's do it. And um, so I've never ha- I've never lacked for uh, businessmen that are, are hungry to learn how to walk with God. So how do you do that practically speaking? Uh, do you meet with them one on one? Do you do a group? What do you teach them? Stuff like that. Well, we we've got some basic tools that we use, but I will typically get a group of businessmen together and we'll meet once a week. They'll work through some of this material. You, normally, I don't like more than three or four in a group just because, you know, I need to spend time with them outside the group. And so just the amount of bandwidth that I have, I, I really don't have enough to be doing group time and then individual time much more than three or four. Uh, sometimes I've met with guys just one-on-one. If a lot of the guys in our area travel a lot. That's why they live here is because they're close to the airport. So they're in Chicago, and then they're in Atlanta, and then they're in, you know, in L.A. And so one season, I just said, okay, I'm just going to meet with guys one-on-one because keeping the group together was hard with travel schedules. But it, it, usually usually I'm, I've got a group of three or four guys, and we'll meet weekly. We're working through this material, but then we're talking about, okay, how does that play out in your life? 
day by day. So there's a kind of a learning component, but then there's a skill component of modeling out these principles so that they begin to obey them and listen to them and walk these things out in their life and not just hit the head and never and never moves to their heart for their life. We're taking a break from the story to hear more about how you can grow as a disciple maker by joining the national conversation that's going on right now. For starters, join the discipleship.org National Forum for Disciple Making at Long Hollow Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, this October 6th and 7th. This is a two-day conference specifically for you. If you're a leader of any type in the church, paid or unpaid, volunteer or on staff, Pastors and laypersons alike will learn best practices for disciple-making today. It's on a Thursday and a Friday so that you can travel from just about anywhere in the country and still make it back for Sunday. This year's theme for the forum is called Culture Shift, Back to Jesus' Way of Disciple-Making. This conference is the first of its kind because 10 disciple-making organizations will all be in one place at the same time. One of those 10 tracks is hosted by Disciple First, which Craig Etheridge started. Here's Craig on why he and his ministry are coming to the National Disciple-Making Forum. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm excited for a couple of reasons. One is a very selfish reason. I get to hang out with a bunch of guys that I know and I love to be with. Um, the, the men that are going to be at this Disciple-Making Forum, they're passionate, they're, they're proven disciple-makers, they're great leaders, uh, they're always stretching the edges of what it means to make disciples, and they're heart deep committed to it. I talked to a good friend of mine who's a just a proven disciple maker, planted a church, been doing this for 25 years, and he just said, Craig, I haven't lost my fire. I'm committed that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know. So I just think that it's, uh, it's encouraging, extremely encouraging to be around like-hearted men that have a focus on making disciples. Um, I just love it. It's contagious and it's encouraging and it's and it's it builds up the body. So uh, that's one reason I'm excited. And I think number two, I'm excited because uh, I'm all, I'm also going to learn. You know, we get to present uh, some of the things that we're learning about how to transition churches. That will be one of the things I'll be teaching on is how to transition your church to disciple making church. But we're always learning from each other, and so I'll I'll come away with fresh new ideas about how to do that in our context. So. There's a lot of iron, sharpening iron that's going to happen at this conference, and I'm, we're really pumped about it. Register for the National Forum for Disciple Making at discipleship.org. Get a 10% discount if you're coming by yourself or bringing a group that's not yet registered by using the promotional code PODCAST. Also, if you want to know more about Disciple First Ministries, go to disciplefirst.com. And now back to the story. So far, Craig has shared about two men who invested into him as a disciple. And now he's going to share his greatest struggle in disciple-making and his main message for the church today with regard to disciple-making. To start, though, here's Craig on what he's doing with Disciple First Ministries. Yeah, Disciple First Ministries um, is primarily designed to multiply disciple-making churches locally and globally. So our goal is to champion and empower and train churches to be disciple-making churches, uh, both domestically and around the world. Craig, how did Disciple First Ministries start in the first place? Well, you know, it's really interesting because we never started off to start a ministry like that. I came into our church, and it was like many other churches that had gone through a choppy season and realized they had no real intentional disciple-making structure at all. So when I came into our church here, 
we just went about making disciples. We just started uh, developing the values and the structure and, and using the tools to start discipling people. And uh, once we started hitting third and fourth generation of reproduction, uh, at some point we decided, hey, we need to, wouldn't it be great if we could pull together some of the leaders like Bill Hall and Dan Spader and these guys that had invested in my life personally over the years? Wouldn't it be great if we could pull in our church family together and let these guys speak into them because they have made such a huge impact on my life? And everybody would just, you know, be encouraged uh, to continue to make disciples. So we did that. And uh, we had a little conference uh, right here in our church. And, uh, man, our people came. And, like, the the week before the conference, I started having people from our community, pastors from our community, that said, hey, can we come? And we're like, well, I guess. You know, I didn't really – it never even occurred to me that anybody else outside of our church would want to come. And so they came. So the next year we did it again, and so we created a, a track for pastors. And the next year more came, and the next year more came to where it got to where you know pastors were flying from all across the country, from New York uh, to Washington State to all across the South and Midwest, were flying in to uh, this conference. And so um, we began to see that God was at work in that. And it uh, started off small and then just began to grow year over year. We just began to see that, you know, there was a need for champion and disciple making in the local church. And so from that, uh, we, we decided to create a disciple first ministry. And, and part of that ministry is to really threefold. It's, we, we go in and we will do a roundtable discussions with pastors in a certain city. So we'll, those that are interested, those that we hear of that have a heart for disciple making. We'll gather them in roundtable discussions, and we'll just be talking about what does that look like in your setting? What does that look like for you? We'll start to introduce Jesus's plan for making disciples and begin that conversation. And then uh, those that really say, man, this is what we need, we develop them into a team and we bring a conference, which we call the Flashpoint Conference now. We'll bring that conference to uh, their church and to their community, and we'll do a conference. And then out of that... Uh, will encourage pastors to go into learning communities where they can learn to start applying the principles of Jesus for disciple-making in their local church. If you would, Craig, tell me about the name itself, Disciple First Ministries, and why you guys chose that name. Yeah, well, I think it comes back to what I just said, is that you know Jesus gave us this divine imperative uh, to make disciples. But this is the first calling of the church. It is the it's the primary calling of the church. I mean, yeah, we, we need to we need to preach sermons, we need to do pastoral care, we need to have programs, we need to do that kind of thing. But if we're not making disciples and make disciples and we're failing in the one thing that Jesus gave us to do. And so disciple first means that we need to put disciple making first on our list of priorities, not uh not seventh or eighth. Um now I define disciple making as both evangelism and a development, you know, disciple discipleship. I don't, I don't use the word discipleship. We use the word disciple making predominantly, because to make a disciple implies that you win that guy to Christ or you bring that guy to Christ, but then you train him up to walk with God and to reach his world, and then to invest in a few. What has been the greatest challenge in disciple making that you faced, just in general? Um, in your life? 
Well, I, I can answer that in two ways. One is kind of a personal way. Um, the greatest challenge for me personally is uh, just continuing to pursue men, uh, even if some guys that you invest in don't continue to, to walk with God. You know, uh, you think about it, you know, Jesus, and one of his inner 12, uh, you know, failed. And Paul, you know, when he's writing, He's listing off the guys that had turned, you know, were with him and turned away from him. And I think that as disciple makers, there has to be just kind of this sense of of mental toughness to say, you know, this is the direction I'm going. I'm calling as many men to follow with me and making disciples. But I realize that there are going to be some that aren't going to make that choice. And as heartbreaking as that is, um, I've had to personally come to grips with that, says, you know, at the end of the day, I have to walk with Jesus, and I'm called to do the work of making disciples and make disciples, and I'm going to call them as best as I can, but they have to make that choice, too. And um, so I think that's a challenge. Um, personally, I think on a, um, on a bigger scale, uh, the challenge is just having the, um, the structure uh, that allows for multiplication to the third and fourth generation. You know, I think a lot of times disciple making can become so broad in definition that, you know, if we're hanging out, we're discipling, you know, if we're going fishing, we're discipling. And there, there's a soft component to it, but I think it's necessary for there to be some, some, um, enough structure to it that, that what you're training a man to do, he can train another man to do, and he can train another man to do. Really, it, you start small. You don't start off preaching a, a seven-week series on all the changes that are going to happen, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and, and not begin to do it. I think the best thing to have for a pastor to do is just commit to being a disciple-maker, personally, and then um, pick a tool that he's going to use, and then look for a guy. Look for one guy, or look for two or three guys that he can start to invest his life in, that the Holy Spirit will lead him to. And then him begin to do that, and then encourage them to do the same, and encourage them to do the same. And, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of, of God is like leaven that works through the dough. It, it's quiet, it's silent, and yet it's permeating the dough. And I think that the best way for a pastor to lead a church to be a disciple-making is for him to have the vision, for him to see how Jesus made disciples and made disciples, and then for him to begin to do it, not not from the platform, but, you know, in, in, in the coffee shop, and uh, for him to personally begin to do that. And then as, as he begins to develop disciples that are making disciples and make disciples, then it can begin to morph into some structures uh, that, that would facilitate it for greater strength and greater growth. Uh, but I think starting off with programs and starting off with uh, sermons about it is not necessarily the way to go. I think it starts with the person. Craig, what what's your main message for the church today with regard to making disciples? Like, you know, there's, there's methods out there, there's stories, there's theology behind this, but you personally, like if you could broadcast one message to the church about making disciples, what would you tell them? I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ is the mechanism by which God wants to make disciples that will transform the world. I really believe that. I, I believe in the local church, and I believe that as a, our, the local church has for years 
kind of sold uh, their birthright of disciple-making uh, for some church growth stuff and some, some other programs that, that promise quick answers, but it ends up just being porridge. And, and when you get back to what is it that we're called to do, what is it as pastors and leaders of churches, what are we called to do? And that is we are called to make disciples and make disciples. That is our Matthew 28, one single um, divine command. It's the divine imperative. And, and I guess my one message would be let's go back to that. Because just think about if every pastor could get back to that initial calling, it, it would awaken a, a giant of the church that is scattered all throughout our country, all throughout the world. You know, our world is really in chaos right now. I mean, you, you just turn on the news, you see all the craziness that's going on. And God really convicted me about this. You know, I was reading in John 17, even this morning, where Jesus said, I, I finished the work you called me to do. I brought you glory, Father, by finishing the work. And that work wasn't going to the cross because he hadn't been to the cross yet. That work was he, he, had, he had raised up and trained up men that could reproduce to the third and fourth generation. And I believe that if we will do that work, if we will now complete the work that God has put in our hands to make disciples and make disciples in the local church, that this is the answer to the world's problem. I mean, it's, it is through disciple-making that the local church goes from declining to growth. It's, it's through disciple-making that the church begins to reach its community and permeate its community and begin to live missionally. It's through disciple-making that that whole nations come to Christ and whole uh, uh, government structures are changed, that there's reform and renewal, and it starts with the obedience to the single command that God gave us. So uh, I guess my message would be let's get back to the calling that Jesus gave us. Let's not give away our birthright any longer. Let's, let's hold it. Let's embrace it. Let's live it. I really believe that... The, there is something happening right now. You know, I, I look back 20 years ago. Yeah, there were there were disciple makers. Most of them were in the parachurch world. Uh, but there is something happening right now. There is a spiritual reformation afoot. There is a stirring of the spirit right now where God is raising up disciple-making pastors. And uh, I just couldn't be more excited to be living in the time when that's happening and to be a part of that. And uh, I, I pray that through this conference, God's going to raise up uh, just just a multitude of men uh, and women that are com- compelled to make disciples and make disciples uh, for the rest of their lives. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast by discipleship.org. Learn how you can grow as a disciple maker by visiting discipleship.org. Make sure to register and join us this October for the National Disciple Makers Forum in Nashville, Tennessee.